Now he says that he's going to identify for us. Subhanallah, this was the part. He's going to identify for us how to tell whether we have riya or not. So, how many of us here do something, uh, some worship? I mean, we all do worship, we just prayed Asr, right? Alhamdulillah. But how many of us go beyond worship and do something for the community, uh, whether that's teaching, volunteering, something over and beyond the obligations? How many of us do that here? I mean, I can see that there's a lot of people who do that, right? You teach, uh, you guys volunteer, right? Come on, tell me, who else does stuff? Say, you do some active, active work? Ismail, you do some active work? Malana's an imam there? Uh, I don't know what he does, but whatever he does, Allah accept, right? There's our Tablighi brothers here. So there might be a Mu'addin here somewhere, right? These are all things that we do in addition. How can we tell if what we're doing, that extra part, is purely for the sake of Allah or not? Or whether we are a show-off, subtly even, 10%, 5% or whatever it is. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een amma ba'd. Dear brothers, dear sisters, dear, dear friends, we are uh, moving along um, with the aphorisms of Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari rahimahullah. Ibn Ata'illah of Alexandria. That's what al-Iskandari means and uh, we are on page 107. And it happens to be, uh, the aphorism is 160, number 160. This is what he says. Sometimes ostentation, this desire to show off and be known and be heard, penetrates you in such a way that no one notices it. So on the face of it, it seems like you are totally mukhlis and sincere. You're totally committed with your single mind and focus. But only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that in the heart, you're actually doing it to show off anyway. You secretly are looking for admiration. Maybe it's because you're a teacher. Maybe you're doing some other good job. Maybe you're a volunteer. Maybe you're a committee member. Maybe you're a relief worker, maybe you're an imam, maybe you're a scholar, maybe you're just helping out people, whatever it is. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants everything for him. And one of the last things that you can literally take out of your heart, one of the last blameworthy traits that you can get rid of is to do something with absolute uh, sincerity for Allah with no other desire at all. And um, we, we'll see that today. I learned a lot today when I was preparing for this. And uh, subhanAllah, it's Allah reward the people, uh, Allah reward these scholars who have uh, talked about this so that we can save ourselves before it's too late. So firstly, the word he uses, ostentation, riya in Arabic, riya. That means ostentation, which means uh, the desire to attract attention for something uh, that should have been for Allah. If you're trying to attract worldly attention for something worldly, for a worldly purpose, that would be okay. 
So riya is to do with religious things that you're hoping for reward from Allah. Right? Whether you're helping out a group of brothers playing football for the sake of Allah. Playing football for the sake of Allah, sorry. Um, I mean, if you've got like a little volunteer group that you're bringing the Muslim children together so that they can do a sports together, they can stay out of some other mess and so on. I mean, you want to do that for Allah, right? It's football. I mean, football is not necessarily haram if you do it rightly anyway. But you know what I'm saying? It could be in anything where you're supposed to do it for the sake of Allah. The intention is supposed to be for Allah. But then what he's going to tell us about today is how even the most subtle ways how you can spoil that intention. And it was an eye-opener. It was an absolute eye-opener. So number one, he says, let's define riya for you. It's talabul manzila in the nas. To seek a position uh, among people that they're going to think I'm very religious or that I go out for 40 days all the time or I do my three days every month. I'm very regular. I'm an old sati, right? Which means an old worker. Or I'm a haji now. Or I've done 20 hajj and 15 umrahs. And I managed to go umrah actually twice a year. Mashallah. I go to umrah in Ramadan every year. Mashallah. وَقَصْدُ ذَٰلِكَ بِعَمَلٍ صَالِهِمْ Now, it, there's nothing wrong with wanting a position among people for pious reasons. That's fine. But this reason is that you're trying to do this with a good deed. A good deed is supposed to be for Allah. So why are you asking people for that? سَوَاءٌ كَانَ ذَٰلِكَ الْعَمَلُ ظَاهِرًا لِلنَّاسِ Now, whether that is an action that you're doing openly to, to actually show people, so you're blatant about it, right? That look how much work I've done. You put it all over social media, right? وَهُوَ الْغَالِبِ Which is usually the dominant way of doing things anyway and showing off. أَوْ خَفِيًّا عَنْهُمْ Where you're actually not showing them. So how can that be ostentation if you're not showing them? If you're not doing anything and showing it to them? But your focus is still them. How? We'll, we'll understand. This one's a bit more complicated. So then he says, in that case, this one will be the subtle one, the subtle showing off. How does that become showing off? We'll see. And he said that that is usually where, when you're trying to hide it, the riya and showing off can still, shaitan will still bring it into you. You're going to be attacked from all sides. Shaitan will still try to bring it into you from where you won't even understand. If you don't know where it usually can be attacked from, where the loopholes are. So that's why I said this is an eye opener for me as well today. This one, to protect your, uh, yourself from the second one, is much more difficult because there's a more subtle encroachment in that one. Uh, in fact, the hadith says that that one is more concealed and more subtle than uh, the walking of an ant. Like you can't hear the footsteps of an ant. Um, some of the people who finally had made it and recognized Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reached their goal, they used to say that I literally tried every trick, every strategy to remove showing off from my heart. Every time I tried to remove it from one side, I discovered it's coming from this perspective. I would get rid of it here and then it would just rise somewhere else. It's like one of those games you, one of those, you, you click down here and something else over and you have to kind of click them all down until you finally get it. May Allah make it easy for us. 
Another scholar said that min Very generalized idea, but think about it. He said that one of the biggest types of uh, showing off is when you actually see that anything that you get or anything that is withheld from you or that harm and benefit is all coming from a creation and not from Allah. That means that because most of our actions, most of what we do in life is to get a benefit or to repel a harm or to achieve something or to not want something. And if we think that that's going to come from people rather than from Allah, we don't think about Allah there, then that in itself is uh, leading to riyah itself. Now, they mentioned that there are three types of riyah. There are three types of this showing off or ostentation. Um, it's interesting. The first one is, well, what he says is that there's three types and each of them is going to affect your deen somehow, is going to affect your religious uh, practice somehow or the other. Some of them are just worse than others, that's why. But they, all three of them will, will affect. Now, think about this. The first one he said, which is the biggest one, is where you literally, with your good deed, you're just doing it to show people. I just want them to see how religious I am, how good I am, how brave I am, or whatever it is in, uh, you know, in something that requires bravery, how much I spend in the path of Allah, something like that. This is such a major problem that if there was nobody to watch you or to show it to, then you wouldn't even do it. That's how bad this one is. That you literally, Allah is not even in, uh, is not even a focus here. You're literally doing it because people are watching. If they're not watching, you wouldn't even do it. So you only do dhikr uh, because people are going to watch you do dhikr and they want you to do it. Otherwise, you won't do it yourself. There is no connection between you and Allah. Or any other deed for that matter. One is, you do it um, to get praise. So it's not that bad that you only do it for people, but this one is, you do it with whatever other intention, whether Allah is part of that intention or not. But your real reason is that I'm going to be praised. I can become a praiseworthy person. I can get more likes. right, Or something like that. Or people will trust me more. They might give me more loans. They might invite me to their house. You'll get praise. And uh, yeah, that's what you do it for. <clears throat> so these two, you can definitely understand they're problematic. Now the third one, look at, look at this third one and see if, it's, if, you could, if we can recognize it. I definitely recognize this one. Is... You're actually doing it for Allah. So this one is when you actually start doing it purely for Allah. Not purely, but you're definitely doing it for Allah. So you do have Allah in your mind. Oh Allah, I'm doing this for you. But then this ties into some of the other lessons we've had before. But your intention from your action then is that you get reward from Allah. Like what's wrong with that? That you get reward from Allah and that He doesn't punish you. He says that's still riya, that's still doing it for the wrong reason. Because you're not doing it for Allah Himself. You're doing it because selfish reasons of no punishment and paradise. He said, This is actually from one perspective, it's actually a good one. Right? This particular category riya is not too bad in the sense like it's a good one in one sense. But remember, every one of these three, he said, are going to affect your deen somehow. So it's still a weakness. It's still a cause of problem and defect, right? 
um, according to the people who are awliya, for them this is riya. Like this is pure riya. They're going to say you're still not there yet. But for majority of Muslims, this is ikhlas. Relatively speaking, this is ikhlas. Mashallah, right? At least you're not doing it for somebody else. Still, you've got to work harder. That's what he's saying. You can start off there. You have to start somewhere, right? We can start off there. Now it gets a bit. It gets even more sophisticated, and mashallah. <clears throat> That's why, uh, you know, in the verse in Surah Fatir, verse ten, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, salihu The good deed, the righteous deed, is what Allah raises. Meaning that's the only one that will really ascend. And the good deed here refers to the one that's absolutely pure. pure because it says, That's the one that is totally free of any kind of showing off. Uh, outwardly or inwardly in any way whatsoever. Uh, in the sense that the person who's doing it is not looking for a worldly benefit. Nor for even an afterworldly benefit. You know, paradise or hell. He's not worried about that. Now remember, anybody who's doing it purely for the sake of Allah, that person is not going to go to hellfire anyway. So you want to avoid going to hellfire and you want to want to go to Jannah, not by looking for those two things, but by seeking Allah and He'll take you there anyway. That's the cleverer way to do it, where you get the best of all worlds. Now he says that he's going to identify for us, subhanAllah, this was the part. He's going to identify for us how to tell whether we have Riyah or not. So, how many of us here do something, uh, some worship? I mean, we all do worship, we just prayed Asr, right? Alhamdulillah. But how many of us go beyond worship and do something for the community, uh, whether that's teaching, volunteering, something over and beyond the obligations? How many of us do that here? I mean, I can see that there's a lot of people who do that. Right? You teach, uh, you guys volunteer, right? Come on, tell me, who else does stuff? Say, you do some active, active work. Ismail, you do some active work. Malana's an imam there. Uh, I don't know what he does, but whatever he does, Allah accept, right? There's our Tablighi brothers here. So there might be a Mu'addin here somewhere, right? These are all things that we do in addition. How can we tell... If what we're doing, that extra part, is purely for the sake of Allah or not. Or whether we are a show-off, subtly even, 10%, 5% or whatever it is. Um, so these are the signs, he says. One of the signs is that if, you're, if you are very active when, it's with, when you're with people and you're really active in what you do, but you're kind of lazy and laid back when people aren't there to look at it, or you do a, a job very well when it's with people, but you don't do it too well when you're not with people. Or you do it well for outside, but inside your house you're really messed up with your family. Right? Something like that. Then you're probably doing it to show off. Then that probably, that is a sign. The number two. This is, gets more subtle. He says, while you're doing it outwardly, you're showing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but with your heart, what you really want is that people uh, respect you. To gain respect among people. Okay, not just that. You then want people to fulfill your needs, to assist you, to help you. 
maybe to open doors for you, to carry your shopping, to bring you shopping, to give you gifts, and it all adds to that. And then if somebody does something that you think that you were entitled to from them because of your position, you would actually feel really bad if they had any shortcomings in that regard. Like if they were supposed to let you because you're an imam, you're the scholar, you're the speaker, so they should have let me go out first. They should have opened the door for me. They should have respected me the way they address me, right? And you feel really bad if they don't do that. Now, so I'm thinking about my position and these are definitely thoughts that you go through because you know we're reactive to uh, we're react you know we, we react to how people uh, relate to us or for example let's just say it's you and somebody else in a similar position and they get respected more they get shown more attention and you feel bad about that such that there'll be people who will actually if they don't get their way of what they expect because they have a turban on and you know or something like that then they will actually complain that, why aren't you looking after my rights? There was one person who was known that whenever he went to a masjid, right? He was a sheikh of some sort. If the imam of the local masjid did not make him lead the prayer, he'd, uh, th th that would be a problem. Now, there's so many times we go to prayer, they don't even know you're a scholar, like, come on. And even if they do, why do they? The imam is more rightful. Even if he is your student, he's more rightful. The imam is rightful. He's got more right to lead the prayer. Some of his students would come along and they'd probably tell the imam, our sheikh is here, can he lead the prayer? And imam's like, look, the committee's going to beat me up. Right? Because you know, they don't allow us to do it because we don't know who's going to lead or not. And then it'll be a, a big issue. Of course, not most, most people don't do that kind of stuff. I'm just saying it goes to an extreme level where you want your right because you think you hold a position. Come on, man. Your position should be with Allah, not with other people. It's a very humbling thing to be honest that where you go and you know you might be respected in one area because people know you go to an area and nobody knows you like alhamdulillah sometimes you know what it's while there's perks in being known but believe me there are there are definitely a lot of challenges to being known right there are a lot of challenges to being known it's like man i don't want to be known any more than this because it becomes a big responsibility you have to behave you have to be very careful Otherwise, people, the same people that put you up, they're going to knock you out as well, right? Wherever they are. That's why that's, uh, Allah Ta'ala help us. Allah protect us. Allah veil us. In fact, he says that some of these people will warn people who don't show them the respect they think they deserve, that you're going to be punished by Allah. Sometimes a sheikh might not do it himself, but one of his, one of his students or one of the people with him, his entourage might... Like, if you don't do that, that's what's going to happen. Right. Now, we don't have to look at it just from a sheikh's perspective because there's few of those. I mean, we have to look at it from just our own perspective, right? Of whatever work we do. So then he's saying that, look, if anybody who wants to be seriously on the path of Allah, who wants to be a good Sufi, wants to be a wali of Allah in the pure sense of it, if he finds that he's got any of these in him, any of these signs in him, then know that he's a show-off. At some level, he's a show-off. Even though 
this is not something he'll ever reveal to anybody that I feel like this. It's between you and Allah, you should know that. That's why Abu Bakr Siddiq and others, whenever somebody would praise them for something, I mean, the dua was, oh Allah, make me um, as good or better than what you're saying because I'm actually not like that as well. But mashallah, thanks for the dua. I, I wish I, I can become like that. It's related from Ali radiallahu anhu that he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to those on the path of Allah, those who are trying to get close to Allah, on the day of judgment, he will say to them, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Weren't you those that when you used to go to a store to buy something, they would lessen the price for you or maybe even give it to you for free? And subhanAllah, you know, when, you know when you become a bit known, then people out of respect, they'll do that for you. Oh, mashallah, Molana's here, or this guy does a lot of volunteering, let's give him something. And yes, you might think this is a perk of the job, and mashallah is barakah of the, you know, of the work I'm doing. Now, you can think that, if you're like, yes, this is just barakah of that. It's not about me. A lot of people start thinking it's them. This is purely barakah of that. But that's not what I'm doing it for. So Allah will say to them, didn't you get discount in prices? Didn't people rush to make salam to you and greet you? Didn't people fulfill whatever needs you had? Meaning you've already got your reward. That's what you wanted. You got it. There's no reward here for you now. Allah save us. La ilaha illallah. In another one of those narrations from him, it says, La ajra lakum, you don't get a reward here. You've already fully received the reward you actually wanted and intended in the world. You already got it. You already enjoyed it. Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, he's got this, uh, he relates from one of the awliya of the past called Wahab ibn Munabbi. He says that there was a guy, a worshipper. Not necessarily an alim, but a uh, Somebody who's really pious and does a lot of worship. He once said to his companions that we, stay, we have stayed away. Like our effort has been to stay away from money and even from children and so on. Because we don't want to become arrogant and tyrannical. So we've tried to cut everything out of our life and just focus on Allah. Right? To do that. However, I'm worried that we are more prone to being affected, we're more prone to being affected by some kind of arrogance and uh, tyranny and so on than those people who have money and how they, how they may be affected by, they, they may be prone to something like that. I feel that we're more prone to it than people with money. Meaning he knows his really sensitive position because you get a lot of benefits through this so you're worried that you're going to be challenged in this regard. And while you're trying to stay away from that, you're actually going to fall into the same thing because of that, because shaitan is there to do that as well. So then, he says, look, when one of us uh, encounters somebody, he wants to be respected. Right? Once you get respected a few times, you want to be respected everywhere. It kind of feels a bit bad that if you're respected somewhere and then you go somewhere else, you're not respected. It's like, you get used to it, right? So then um, when one of us goes and meets somebody, they want to be respected because of his position in the deen, his volunteering work or whatever it is. 
Whenever he asks for a need, he likes that somebody's going to fulfill the need for them. Because of, again, because of his deen. Right? Whenever he purchases something, he would like it that the guy gives him a discount or maybe even for free. Again, because of my deen, that you should be respecting the deen. That's why maybe in your Jummah Bayans, you'll tell people that uh, you get a lot of barakah if you give the Mawlana Sahib, you know, a discount. Or you got a restaurant, so send some food to his house. I'm not saying that, brothers and sisters. Now, the king of that time, the ruler of that time, this reached him. So, I don't know. He got a whole entourage, his entourage together, his whole delegation together. And he went, and suddenly, that whole area filled up with people to see who this guy was. Right? Now, this particular... A righteous person, he says, what's going on? All of this sea of people have suddenly come because of what I said. Because everything you say, something like that, it just sounds, it just makes you look really, really pious, right? And he was saying it sincerely. And now everybody's there to come and see who this guy is. So then somebody told him that, oh, the, the ruler, he's actually come to see who you are. He wants to see who this special wali of Allah is. So then, he quickly said to one of, his, uh, one of his students, he said, bring me some food. So he brought some vegetables and some oil, zayt, and some other root vegetables or whatever it was. And what he started doing was that he started stuffing his mouth with this food in this really uncouth way, I would say. Like in this really kind of wild, dehati, you know, uh, Bedouin way. Why did he do that? Not in a civilized way, but he started doing that purposely. So, so the ruler, eventually, he wants to come and meet him. He says, where is, where is this uh, sheikh of yours? So they said, here he is. What, this guy? So they said, uh, they said to him, like, how are you? He said, well, I'm just like everybody else. I'm just like everybody else. You know, I don't know what's special about me. That was to just thwart them from that. This is like how far he went to not get the respect that a lot of people now. People uh, do a few things nowadays and then they want to put a satellite up, satellite up in the sky to make a star for themselves. Before their time, they want a star in the space for them on Hollywood Boulevard. You know, they have a star's names. I've been there it's in Hollywood. I used to live in California. So you want a star in the sky, right? Um, another version said that the king asked him, like, how are you? So he said, I'm, I'm fine. So then the, the ruler asked him, uh, the, the king actually remarked that this guy, the, the, there's nothing special about this guy. Look at the way he's eating. So then he turned away. And that's when this righteous person said, Alhamdulillahilladhi sarafaka anni wa antalidham. All praises to Allah who've, who's turned your attention away from me while you see me in this bad state and you're critical of me. That's much better for me because once the, the ruler would have seen me in a good state, he would have started showering his 
uh, all of his, uh, you know, generosity and everything, that would have become much more difficult. So Alhamdulillah, I managed to get rid of this. That's severe measures, subhanAllah. This is the kind of riyah to this level that our big people, our really great people try to avoid it. And they used to actually consider them from basically being bad people if uh, that they had any of this notion in them. It's related from Fudayl ibn Iyad radiallahu anhu. He said that, he used to say that, you know what, if you guys want to see a show-off, then just look at this guy. This is a show-off. Like they used to actually be very suspicious on them, themselves and try to minimize any of this feeling that people have. Uh, once Malik ibn Dinar, another one of our great awliya of the past, he heard a woman saying to him, she actually blatant, right? Maybe we need a few more. Ya murai, oh show off. Like imagine somebody comes in, like a woman comes in, like show off. So then he said to her, oh so and so, that, Alhamdulillah, you know, he didn't say Alhamdulillah, but he says that you've actually found the name that all the people in Basra had forgotten about me. Like you've discovered the lost name that I ever have. So he's like, he played along with it because he's saying, yeah, thank you very much for that, to put me back in my place. I mean, this doesn't mean that you go around and act like uh, total idiots. It doesn't mean that it's just as an ilaj, right? It's talking about as a cure and as a safeguard number of other stories that are related. Now, the point is that, you know, you might be able to avoid when you know clearly I'm doing it for people. That, that one is blatant, you know you're doing wrong, right? But it's very, very difficult. They say that, you know, you can get, you can find if you're a jealous person, you can discover much more easily if you're a stingy person, you can definitely understand if you're an angry person, or you've got too much desire. All of those things are much more clearer to see. But the thing which is the most difficult to see, because we love ourselves more than anyone else, is when we're showing off. Yeah, blatant showing off, you could see that, but when it's subtle showing off, like did we, I mean, I learned a lot of uh, ways of showing off that I might even be doing, or I might have actually considered or have enjoyed, right? That I didn't know that that was, you know, purely that, I mean, had ideas, I think, and notions, but this makes it very clear. So, he says, only the people who are true recognizers of Allah, who've truly recognized the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His true position, those who really have tawheed properly, who really have declared the oneness of Allah and believe in that fully, only they will understand this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, uh, you know, eventually purified them of even the subtle seeds and the subtle small amounts of shirk. And uh, they just don't care about people anymore in the sense that they don't care what people are going to say anymore about them, they're doing it purely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah has given their hearts yaqeen. Allah has given their hearts the full conviction and recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's position. So they don't, they don't worry about getting things from people anymore because their focus is only getting things from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't, they, they don't care about harm because they know harm can only come from Allah. So even though somebody's out to harm them, that's fine. Their focus is on Allah. Allah, you repel the harm. Allah, only you can repel the harm. These people's actions is going to be pure, even if they're doing it openly now. So there will be some people who do things openly. You don't even have to hide it, but they're doing it purely for the sake of Allah. Purely for the sake of Allah. Anybody who doesn't get this, who doesn't prepare for this, and who's constantly looking at what people are going to say, what people are going to do, 
and that's where he thinks he's going to get his benefit and, uh, and uh, he's going to repel the harm, then he's most likely, he is a one who's showing off with his deeds, even if he worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the height of a mountain. Away from everybody, he's doing worship totally alone, but he knows that people know that there's this guy, this hermit who lives on top of that mountain, right, or in the middle of Wanstead Park, right? <coughs> he doesn't want anybody to meet him, but he knows that people know about that. There's a story that's, uh, there's a story that's told about this guy who was like that. He used to worship in a tower, totally cut away from everyone. There was once a year that he used to come out. And that's the day slowly, slowly, every year or every season or whatever it was that people would gather for to get a glimpse of him. The, the, the hero, the star has come out. It only come out once a year. So the ruler or somebody was trying to figure out if this guy is really mukhlis or not. So he was wondering, so he had a discussion with a wali of Allah or something like that. I can't remember the exact details of the story. They said that, look, let's test him. And the way to test him is that the next day that he's going to come out, you know, the next time that he is his day for coming on the balcony, right? What we'll do is, uh, I want you as the ruler to basically put roadblocks up so that nobody within eyesight can get close, you know, stop everybody. People are going to come, but just stop everybody. So that he won't be able to see anybody that's come from his balcony to see who's come to watch him. So they did that. He came out, he saw nobody, he shrieked and fell down dead. Right? That basically, the moral of the story is that this guy was doing it for people. Even though he hardly used to come out. That's how dangerous this stuff is. It's scary. It, that's how dangerous it is. And what makes it worse, the Prophet said, in the yasir al-riya'i-shirkun. Even the most subtle amount of showing off is a form of shirk. Shirk because you're, you're just putting somebody else with Allah of what something is supposed to offer to Allah, you're doing it for somebody else. But it's the one of the most difficult things to get rid of. So I guess this is a good start, that at least we know what it is. And we know it's various different manifestations and the various different loopholes and it's various different entry points. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be protected because only Allah can actually protect us. This is what Sheikh Abdullah Gangohi says uh, in his explanations. He says, ostentation is to render an act of worship or some other virtuous deed with the motive of creating an impression on others in order that they consider one a pious and saintly person. If a person commences an act of worship in the presence of people or in the absence of people who later arrive with the sole desire to create the impression of piety, then such, such as performing the ritual prayer in a beautiful manner, which is not one's normal practice when he sees people, then this servant has committed an act of ostentation, which is clear to almost anyone. I mean, anybody would know that. Sometimes, however, a person renders an act in private, yet... Notwithstanding this privacy, ostentation still can enter his heart, even though nobody's watching him. Like he'll think that people will eventually find out, or if they find out, then they'll think this. It's just really crazy. Right? Really crazy. This kind of ostentation is very subtle. The sign of this type of ostentation is a man's desire to be honored when he finally meets others. That he be appointed to a position of prominence and leadership with others serving him. When he is honored, he becomes elated. When such honor is not forthcoming from people, he is stung with surprise. 
This attitude indicates that the person's efforts and deeds are motivated by the desire for name and fame and to gain service from people. اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا اله الا انت سبحانك انا كنا من الظالمين يا فتاح يا غفار يا ستار يا حفيظ يا سلام يا لطيف يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا الله have mercy on us يا الله have mercy on our poor states on our weak states oh Allah what can we offer you oh Allah we are supposed to be your servants but, O oh Allah, we don't act like your servants. O oh Allah, we act so independently in this world. O oh Allah, we act as if we have all the power in our hands. O oh Allah, just because you have given us capability to do certain things, and you've given us good health, and you've given us some wealth, O oh Allah, we think we can do whatever we want, and it makes us forget you. O oh Allah, don't make what all the blessings you have given us, don't make it a source of burden for us. Don't make it a source of arrogance oh allah do not make it a source of showing off oh allah allow us to be focused on you oh allah it is difficult and we know it's difficult oh allah bless this author and bless all of those who've assisted in allowing us to understand this oh allah all thanks to you that you have given us an understanding of this now allow us to practice this and purify ourselves from all forms of haram in our life all forms of wrongdoings in our life all forms of doubtful things in our life. O oh Allah, suffice us with the halal, away from the haram, and make us independent of all but you. Allow us to have pure tawheed and pure oneness. O oh Allah, allow us to love your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and to love all of his sunnah and to be like him. O oh Allah, allow him to be our ultimate guide. Allow him to become a reality in our lives. Allow your love to be the guiding factor for everything that we do. That we only do things out of love for you. Oh Allah, we don't do it for any other reason. Oh Allah, remove everything else in our sight. Oh Allah, only you should be in our sight. Oh Allah, make your obedience beloved in our hearts and your disobedience hated in our hearts. And oh Allah, it is difficult. We wake up in the morning with good intentions, but by the evening we have failed. We have... we. We make a resolve in the evening, but by the morning we have failed and we have stumbled and we have done wrong and we have gone far. Oh Allah, allow us to be close. Oh Allah, accept us. Oh Allah, allow us to be close to you both in this world and especially in the hereafter. Oh Allah, allow us to come to your, uh, to your house. Oh Allah, take us to your house. Allow us to fulfill the hajj. Oh Allah, those who have already gone, make the journey easy for them and an accepted one. Those who are going, oh Allah, accepted and facilitated for them. Oh Allah, take all of us. And oh Allah, allow us all to go. And oh Allah, allow us to fulfill the rights, fulfill your rights and the rights of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And the rights of others whose rights we owe, to, whose rights we owe them. Oh Allah, if we have debts, allow them to be fulfilled and repaid. Oh Allah, if we've done any aggression against anybody, allow us to be freed from that aggression. Oh Allah, grant us humility in our heart. Grant us sincerity in our heart. Oh Allah, grant us generosity in our heart. Grant us love and affection and understanding. Grant us self selflessness. And oh Allah, allow us empathy. Allow us to want to do things for people and for ourselves. Oh Allah, do not allow us to forget ourselves. Do not allow us to forget ourselves. Oh Allah, bless us our children, our progenies until the Day of Judgment, and hold Muslim Ummah, 
and remove the oppression from those who are oppressed. Remove the oppression from those who are oppressed. And oh Allah, all of the confusions out there about what a human being is and what, how human beings are supposed to be and all of the new types of confusions which are coming about and the various different challenges that are coming about in the various different forms of artificial intelligence and various different things that nobody knows where it's going to. Oh Allah, grant us a true light and understanding and protect us from it. Oh Allah, grant us our protection. Oh Allah, grant us our protection and allow the insaniyat and humanity to come back in the human being. Oh Allah, allow our compass to become straight again. Oh Allah, uh, remove the chaos. Oh Allah, we are hayran. Oh Allah, we, uh, we are bewildered in this time where the fitness come one over the other, just like we're in the middle of a tumultuous ocean. We don't know which way to go sometimes. Oh Allah, guide us aright. Oh Allah, guide us aright. Oh Allah, make us of those who are permanently doing your remembrance, who are constantly thanking you. The, 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 your dhikr is constantly in our hearts and on our tongue. And oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wassalamun ala mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essential Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.